0: As part of the Jeremiah Show, it's the Arwen Lewis Show. Arwen Lewis is a singer, a songwriter, and a guitarist. She inhabits our blue planet, but her beliefs belong in the celestial realm. As the daughter of Peter Lewis, a founding member of rock and roll cult icons Moby Grape, and the granddaughter of Oscar winning actress Loretta Young, she's been part of the creative of cosmos all of her life. She's a slice of sonic heaven, poised to enter your heart, mind, and soul. She's an artist, producer, and writer, and she's your radio host. Round
1: Sometimes like a June bug traveling Heading off on a ribbon of song Been away from the river too long But to be on a river somewhere Like a milkweed traveling Heading off on a ribbon of dreams Be a part of a river it seems Can you tell me how long must I travel on?
2: Hello, everybody. This is Arwen Lewis and you're listening to the Arwen Lewis show. My very special guest today is Carla Olson. Carla Olson is an incredibly accomplished singer, songwriter, and producer. Um, and we're here talking about her extensive career in the music business. Um, you can find out more about her at Carla Olson on Facebook, Carla Olson.com, at Carla Olson Music on Instagram. And to tell you a little bit about Carla, uh, the singer, songwriter, and producer, Carla Olson, is soon to release the third in her series of duet albums, Hab Harmony Will Travel 3. And that will be released via BFD Records uh, slash the Orca- Orchard. Did I say that right? Orchard. Yeah, yeah. on October 20th, 2023. Have Harmony Will Travel 3 follows Night Comes Falling, Carla's 2022 collaboration with Stephen McCarthy of the Long Riders, and like the two previous volumes of Have Harmony Will Travel, features an impressive guest list of some of Carla's Carla's talented friends. The new album includes appearances by Texas guitar heroes Eric Johnson, Jake Andrews, and Gary Merrick, along with guitarist Craig Ross from Boken Holmes and Lenny Kravitz, Todd Wolf of Sheryl Crow, Lawrence Huber of Paul McCartney and Wings, and legendary harmonica player Mickey Raphael from Willie Nelson. Guest vocalists include B.J. Thomas, Alan Clark from The Hollies, Harvey Shield from The Mighty Echoes, Robert Rex, Waller Jr., and Sean Barton Back. Closing the album are three previously unreleased live tracks recorded with Gene Clark from The Birds. Songs on this album include classics written by Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, Pete Townsend, Gene Clark, and um, others, along with two new songs written by Carla Olson and Alan Clark. The first single from the album, Carla's version of Texas Legends, the Zachary Thax garage rock classic Face to Face, featuring fellow Texan guitar virtuoso Eric Johnson, is now available and streaming um, on all services. Carla has had an extensive career in the music business, and she's cut records with Gene Clark, Mick Taylor, and is a member of an amazing band called the Texstones. We've got lots to talk about today in respect to her career. So without further ado, Carla, welcome to the Arwen Lewis Show.
3: Hi, Arwen. So great to be with you. And I really miss performing uh, with you and your dad. One of these days, I'm going to come up there and bring my guitar.
2: I know. I can't wait. Um, I can't wait to play with you again. Uh, we've had so many amazing experiences together down in Los Angeles. And um, I know I've seen you and my dad play together quite a few times Um I think even, yeah, before I started working with him and we just um, in the introduction, we played River of Light from the album Ladies Sing Lightfoot that you produced. And that featured me and my dad and my guitar. And you gave me the opportunity to sing that beautiful Gordon Lightfoot song. So thank you, first of all.
3: Oh, thank you guys. It was such a treat to watch you in the studio that your interaction with your dad is so commanding. (laughs) Dad, just do it again. No, no, dad, just do it again. It's like, I can remember that day, just like it was yesterday. It was the one of the the last session we did before COVID, by the way, that was the last one before the lockdown. And I just, I, I had such a good time making that record. It was a real labor of love being, a, a Gordon Lightfoot fan since well, I can remember 1970. Maybe that's about when I discovered. I did, my brother turned me on to him and uh, that River of Light. That you guys did that so beautifully, and I can remember uh, Johnny Lechelle, the engineer who was working with us that day. He said, "Oh, I just love her voice on this song." I mean, Gordon, come on, Gordon Lightfoot's great. It's wonderful. You really put a um, a feminine touch to it that was I wasn't expecting it to be so um uh, delivered with such uh, uh just a sensitive a sensitive manner and your dad of course playing overhand guitar was um, I just got to watch it was great through the window so yeah it was great
2: well that was such a fun day we came down to studio City and recorded with you in that, that awesome studio I was actually just telling Jeremiah about that day because I remember being so like i you know I was like i I was like dad, you're doing that on purpose. No, don't mess up, play it right. <laughs> um, but that's just the father's starting. He's such
3: a perfectionist, too, that he did play it right about three or four times, but then he kept starting over because he thought, you know, there's always a way to make it better, right? I mean, I'm always like, get a guitar player on the first pass because that's usually the best one, you know? <laughs> it's so true. It
2: was uh, really great, though. <laughs> well, I wanted to start. Let's go back to talking about um, Ladies Seeing Lightfoot in a little bit. But I did want to talk about, you know, like, how did you start playing music? And you were raised in West Texas, right? That's where you now, grew Central, up? Central. Central Texas. Okay.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I am I was born in Austin, Texas. Unlike, okay. well, Unlike many people that sashay through and say, yeah, I'm from Austin. <laughs> no, I was born there. And I lived there until I was... Uh, 17, and then I went to Italy. My brother was uh, studying acting in Rome, and I wanted to be with him. hes We were very close. And uh, I, I went over there for about, well, it was close to a year, uh, and, and then came back and started a band when I was 18 in Austin uh, with some local musicians there playing guitar, I had a Marshall stack. I mean, for crying out loud, it was like there were no women that had a Marshall stack in Austin. Except for me. That's (laughs) so cool. It was a red one too. Oh my (laughs) God. But uh, no, I, my dad was a classical uh, musician, classically trained musician uh, who grew up in uh, the Swedish Area uh, in Jamestown, New York. There were Swedes, Italians, and Poles there. And my dad, my dad's uh, parents, both were from Sweden. And okay. um, when I was growing up, my mother, while I was probably six, my mother went to the music store and on time, bought a piano for my dad because when he came back from the war, they they settled in Austin, which is where he was stationed. And uh, in World War II, that is, he was in the South Pacific and Pacific uh, uh, Army Air Corps. When he came back, he didn't have a piano to play, and that was his instrument. So my mother went, and she was a seamstress at the time. She went and uh, bought him a Baldwin upright, uh, Baldwin Hamilton, big box piano. And I still have it. It's in the living room. Uh, It needs fixing and tuning and all that hammers and all that. But I started taking classical lessons when I was six. And I took two two years of classical lessons. And, um, you know, after playing Beethoven for a while, I thought, hmm, let's see. Uh, My dad brought me into the living room to see the Beatles on Ed Sullivan and said, I think you want to see this. So I sat down in front of the TV, the black and white, and uh, zenith it was i think and uh i was just uh, yeah i wanted to play guitar but i wanted to be in a band because yeah had, like a lot of fun yeah. i mean four people up there all relating to each other in some way and yeah, you know, the fans are screaming and stuff but it was really the movement of the body with a guitar that made it seem really attractive to me it became it becomes part of you rather than you sitting down to a piano with kind of you know playing like this you're it actually is t- attached to you that was what that's what got me started and i started playing guitar when i was uh, about uh, i think i was eight yeah so
2: okay so you um so you yeah you started playing classical piano on the guitar and so were you all right classical piano and then you started guitar were you able to transfer easily like the theory that you were learning on piano to guitar or what style of guitar did you start to learn when you started learning guitar the
3: first song that i started playing was walk don't run by the ventures awesome (laughs) i know because it was one note right you could go i mean you could play that with without having to play chords and of course we all got pulled into Peter, Paul and Mary, Joan Baez, mm-hmm. Bob Dylan. Those, those artists were, were very, um, let's just put it this way. That was where you aspired, what you aspired to, to, to play like if you played uh, acoustic guitar. So at that point, I said, well, acoustic guitar is not making it totally for me. So um, my dad actually bought me a very, um, very nice Goya. Did I lose you? No, no. Okay. Can
1: you
3: hear me? Hold on a second. I've got, I lost my, my screen. Adobe Flash. No, go away, please.
1: I got something in
3: here that doesn't, that's making me crazy.
2: I can hear you.
3: No, cancel. One second. You can hear me. Let me just, I'm trying to get rid of the Adobe Flash just came up here and drove me nuts. Oh, I see. It driving me nuts too. Hold on one second. See if I can get my screen back. Oh gosh, I hate this. <laughs> I actually traded in my nice Goya G10 that my dad bought me because he, Swedish guitar, wanted to give me a great guitar. I traded that one in for a Les Paul Jr., a 56 Les Paul Jr., not, not far off yours, well, the size of yours, right? It oh, wasn't yeah, a three quarter yeah. scale, but it was a Beautiful uh, electric uh, with a P90 on it. We're talking tech here, but it it was the guitar I learned to play electric guitar on. So that was the beginning of my deciding I was going to get in a band. I was going to find other musicians who wanted to play uh, music of the 60s and, um, and, and play live. I mean, I'm kind of a ham. I like playing live. It's really great. So got together with two or three other people and we started a band.
2: So well, what was abandoned? So this is out of Austin, right? When Austin was amazing and cool. It
3: it, it wasn't. Is. It wasn't amazing and cool yet. It was basically really? still redneck and very narrow minded.
2: <laughs> oh, wow. OK, I didn't really. Yeah.
3: But uh, we're talking mid 60s, you know. Oh, so, yeah. you know, when I when I was in uh, I got into high school and started um, I met people like Don Henley that were coming down from uh, Dallas to perform in Austin. The University of Texas had loads and loads of gigs that these guys were coming down. We got to be good friends, and uh, and I was good friends with a lot of other musicians. I went to high school with Eric Johnson. We were in the same biology class, and he turned around and said something to a buddy of his that he needed an amp for that night because he'd blown up his his... 610 speaker cabinet and i i turned around and i said well i got a 610 cabinet you want to borrow mine and he said looked at me like i just asked him for i don't know his lunch or something and i said i I really do and he went can i come by after school and i said yeah you can come by after school so that's how we got to be friends and that was in 19 probably 1969
2: so um yeah wow (laughs) kind of cool well, that's such a great story. Like, I mean, yeah, you were just part of the scene and you know, the place where all these amazing musicians were and they're probably, you know, because of the weather and everything, do you think that had something to do on with the way people developed their skills as musicians because you had to stay inside part of the time or what what is it about that Texas that makes these great guitar players and musicians?
3: Well, I have to say that it's the it's the combination of of uh Mexican-American music mm-hmm. and blues, which was a big scene in, in Austin and in, in Houston. As a matter of fact, I saw your dad play in Austin at a place called the Vulcan Gas Company. Mm-hmm. And it was probably 1960, I want to say, 68, nine, mm-hmm. something like that. And uh, that was the place where you saw everybody from Muddy Waters to Johnny Winter to wow. to uh, some of the psychedelic bands. Rocky Erickson's brother had a band from the four Elevators. He had a band that I used to go see all the time. And that scene was really heavy when I was a teenager. Uh, and it, you, you combined blues with psychedelic music and also Mexican-American music or what we call Tejano music. And suddenly you have this sort of soulful blues meets country meets rock and roll, psychedelia. That, that whole sound was the Central Texas sound. Okay, and I think that that was what really influenced me heavily at, at the time, and I really wanted to be BB King. I, you know, would have been glad glad to have started a blues band and just gone that direction, but you know, I I was kind of destined more for a bit of a. More of a of a yardbird's romp, you know? <laughs>
1: well,
2: I mean, what's so amazing about you as a musician is that you have, I mean, you've worked first of all, collaborated and talking about Living to Play with Music, you've collaborated with like all of I mean, they're lucky to be working with you too, but you know, you've gotten to work with these people who are all very different but established and unique in their sounds too. And even it, like the text tones. Like let's talk about the text tones for a little bit. So you had your first band, right? And then did you morph into the text tones after that? Or how did you connect and How did you know how many records did they make?
3: Well, I have to say that there was a bit of time in between the the high school bands and the bands that uh, because I I moved to California when I was 24. Okay. uh, L.A. And uh, my girlfriend and I had a band in Austin with uh, a a woman who was playing drums with us and a bass player who uh, was as a favor playing with us because he had another band of his own and we had a band called the violators. That was myself, Kathy Valentine and uh, Jesse Sublett, and, and Marilyn Dean.
1: Cool. And
3: uh, we were playing in Austin. We were playing little divy places. And then Kathy and I, we had greater aspirations and we just said, okay, I want to go to L.A., you want to go to New York, or we want both to go to L.A. or New York was less attractive because of the weather. And we flipped a coin and uh, it landed on uh, tails and we came west. We came to to L.A. and we got an apartment and we got a rehearsal place. And she and I put an ad in, in the want ads in the in the uh, what we call the recycler. You know, the recycler is where you advertise for you know, to buy a house or buy drums or whatever. And uh, we we actually auditioned several different people, one of which uh, was uh, Gina Schock, who ended up in the Go-Go's as the drummer. Wow. So when we found a couple of people to play with, uh, we just started rehearsing and working up, you know, other people's songs, but we also were writing songs. And Kathy wrote Vacation when we were when we were in our infancy, as the as the Textones, we we renamed ourselves the Violators. seemed a little bit, um, a little too punk, and we kind of thought, okay, well, we're from Texas, we'll call ourselves the Textones. So uh, she wrote really great songs in the band that later she carried on to uh, when she joined the Go Go's, and uh, they were big hits. and uh, And I kept writing and went three piece. And uh, I mean, if you've got a Marshall stack, you can kind of do that. So, you know, me and, me and a drummer, uh, Mark Cuff and, and Dave Provost, we just carried on our three piece band and we were playing the whiskey and the Starwood and other places. It's been a beautiful life. What can I tell you? It's I wonderful. know. Yeah. So um, eventually the Textones uh, Dave. Decided he was going to go uh, work with some other people. And Marcus, who had played with Emmylou Harris, he was Emmylou's first drummer. um, Decided he wanted to be a professional photographer, and he became my photographer in the later years from '88 until he passed away in December last last December. Um, but, uh, I mean, we just we played everywhere in L.A. and, and San Francisco, and we did some tours across back at, across to uh, Texas again. And and uh, and then when we uh, we kind of switched rhythm sections in there, I got uh, Joe Reed from uh, he's from England and uh, Phil Seymour, who ended up playing drums for us. And he had had a big hit. Uh, with um, uh, the, the Dwight Twilley band. He was the singer of the Dwight Twilley band in 1975. And, uh, but we, we did, we did uh, an album called Midnight Mission, which mm-hmm. came out in 1984, October 1984. And uh, we did okay. I mean, I, I ended up playing in Bob Dylan's video of uh, uh, pantomiming Mick Taylor's part. That's how I met Mick Taylor. Okay. He was always one of my favorite guitar players in the Bluesbreakers, and when he was in the Stones. But I'm digressing. But that's kind of the text tones. We had one album on on uh, with with um, the band that I just 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 reiterated. And then um, Phil was actually had been diagnosed with Hodgkin, Lon Hodgkin's uh, lymphoma in 1985, and we uh, ended up using another drummer from Tulsa, from uh, who Phil was from Tulsa, Rick Hemmer. And we recorded another album in 1987 called Cedar Creek, which is my grandparents' where their ran- ranch was, where I grew up on a ranch. So, okay. but I um, mean, it's outside Boston, but we made another record. And uh, and then 30 some odd years later, we recorded another album called <laughs> The Old Stone Gang, a little play on the you know stones thing in uh, 2018. And uh, I love that record. That was a real, it was a real uh, long process of getting it done, but we did so.
2: Yeah, I want to. I want to talk about like your recording process when we come back. Um, we're gonna actually run out to break really quickly here. This is so fun to start to talk about this like amazing <laughs> wild ride you've had in the world of. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, yeah. All I can say is like, yeah.
1: <laughs> there you
2: go. Hi, everybody. This is Arwen Lewis on The Arwen Lewis Show. My amazing special guest is Carla Olson. Um, You can look up more about her at Olson.com on Facebook under Carla Olson, Instagram at Carla Olson Music. And um, we're talking about her amazing career as a singer, songwriter and producer. Um, We're going to be talking about Her most recent release um, That's coming out On October 20th 2023 Have Harmony Will Travel 3 And uh, we're going to Take you out uh, To break with the song It makes me It makes me cry And bring you back in Within another time And we'll be right back
1: There was a man In my old neighborhood With so much hate inside He
3: would walk screaming to himself just another soul cast aside
1: people just look the other way fearing what he might do he only needs a guiding hand someone to see him through please excuse me But it makes me cry The thought of Him Just trying to get by
0: This is Jason from Rust Dust. Uh, you can hear Rust Dust music anywhere. Uh, there's some streaming device, and uh, you're listening to the Arlen Lewis Show.
2: This is Arwen Lewis and you're listening to The Arwen Lewis Show. My very special guest is Carla Olson. Carla Olson has had an insanely amazing, extensive career in the music business. Um, She's a singer, songwriter and producer. She's just released um, her third album of duets uh, called Have Harmony Will Travel 3. And it's in a series of duet albums. She's had many more as well, which we'll talk about, including making albums with Gene Clark and Mick Taylor. She's got an amazing band called The Text Tones, and um, is a producer, and Hurla, I thought we could talk, um, I want to go into talking about your work with Vic Taylor and Gene Clark, um, but I thought first we could talk about, yeah, like, what's your recording process like generally? Does it differ depending on who you're working with, and um, do you self-produce the projects uh, that you release as an artist, or do you prefer to work with a producer on that?
3: Well, I started getting into production in 1999 when uh, I didn't have a band at that time that was uh, a permit band. A lot of people have gone gone their own ways and, you know, become successful in their own writing. And, uh, and I just uh, was well, went to a club one night with uh, my manager, Saul Davis, and we were there to see another band, uh, which was... Uh, Someone had recommended that we should go see this band. The opening act, however, was Mayor Winningham,
1: okay. and
3: Mayor, of course, you know, is an actress, a very uh, acclaimed actress, a uh, uh, Academy Award nominee and Golden Globe winner and uh, Emmy Award winner, and she has a wonderful voice too. And she also plays really good dulcimer and <laughs> really good acoustic guitar. And I had uh, was just taken by her songs and. Uh, went back to her after the set and i said you know are you making records and she said well i made one record i really wasn't happy with the producer and i said well i said would you consider having me produce a record for you and long story short is we ended up doing that and uh the record came out uh in 1999 and it's called lonesomers okay and she is she's a wonderful person and um she also uh, helped me get my footing as a producer because I had only produced one other record other than my own records and records with Gene Clark, uh, uh, another artist, one other album that I had produced, Davis Gaines from the Phantom of the Opera, uh, did a solo album for him in 1999. And I just thought, you know, if if I can't play live and I can't play Uh, And I can't do my own recordings because I don't have a band right now. I'm still writing songs, but I'd love to continue to produce people. It's really gratifying. Plus, you have every situation is different. The main thing is you have to find the the right studio situation. If the person is playing piano or they're leading the band, playing guitar, you have to find what sight lines you have that everybody can see. And we weren't doing file sharing then. This is all recording live or, you know, do, doing basic tracks and then coming back and doing vocals and overdubs. That, that is really, really, um, it's, it's every project is different. And if the person doesn't write their own songs and you need to find songs for them, that's something that I participate with my manager, Saul, uh, in finding the right songs. He's a songsmith. He's worked with Percy Sledge and Yes. All sorts of other people that, you know, have that weren't songwriters, Phil Seymour, who didn't write his own songs at that time. We're really just like a team. And he does the logistics, getting the studio set up. We hire the musicians if the person needs a backup band. And uh and I go in and sit at the console with the engineer and and call the shots. You know, mm-hmm. and that take wasn't good enough or this one's too fast or that was too slow. You know, are you hearing everything you need to hear in your phones? To you know how it is. You you know if you're behind the glass, you got to make sure that they're hearing what they need to hear to do their job, which is to sing in tune properly, et cetera.
2: Right, and they they need the vibe too, and you need a producer who you trust too. That's a big part of it. It's a huge part of it. True. Um, <clears throat> yeah. And so so it sounds kind of like your recording process. Um, Well, as a producer and also as an artist, can I ask that, like, is it, does it differ just depending on the situation you're in and who you're working with? It does very much because there's, there's a lot of people that are very headstrong and they think
3: maybe the things about their, their own voice or their own performances are uh, maybe weak or maybe that's not their strong point. So they sort of try to go in another direction. And I always feel like that people's vulnerabilities are what make us attracted to, attracted to them as listeners. And some of the most fragile things about people, which you have to be careful because those things are obviously uh, sensitive. But if someone has a break in their voice and they go, oh, I want to redo that, you, you, you'll redo it for them and you'll, you'll go back eventually and you'll show them how that sounded. And they may most of the time they agree with you that it was really the take, the take was the one with the break in the voice. And I always find that uh, with, as I was saying before, with guitar players, the first take is generally the best because it's comes, it comes unexpectedly from their heart rather than their schooling. So you tend to like a Mick Taylor, for instance, sometimes he would want to redo something and I would say, well, the first take was really good. And he would say, well, let me do it again. So, and then you'd, play it back for him. And he'd go, yeah, first one was pretty good. <laughs> well, how
0: are
2: <laughs> you, know, you really say- working with
3: him? Yeah, I like, well, well, first of all, he never wants to hear the song in advance. And I don't know how he worked with the Rolling Stones, like that. But with me, he would say, look, um, tell me what key and look at, if I was guiding the band, if it was our album, I'm like with me playing with him, then he would say, just look at me through the glass when you're going to change chords. I mean, Okay. <laughs> How many people do you know that work like that? I mean, yeah. your dad's like that. It's like, dude, you know, just let me just play. Okay. So those things were really, really incredible. And with Gene Clark, I learned a lot about singing softly because I was always a belter and, you know, get up there and, you know, with five piece band and horns and just sing as loud as you can. And he would always say to me, Carla, you really need to back off the mic. Sing as if, you know, you're singing to the top row, but don't, don't sing at the microphone. Don't sing to the microphone. You're singing to the microphone. Lean back, let the let the voice come off the top you know, the roof of your mouth.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's
3: where your that's where your better vocal is gonna be. Gene was brilliant. He really, mm-hmm. And you know, of course, I know that your dad, his favorite song of all time, has set you free this time.
2: Oh so. my gosh, that's song. Awesome. I know, I know. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> <anything in> get that. <laughs> <You got chills. laughs> no. And the
3: harmonica at the end, I mean, that was sort of a I think with uh, on for the audience here, Gene Clark, the Birds recorded the song "Set You Free" this time, which Gene Clark wrote. And at the end, I think that was maybe I don't think that was planned. I think he just picked up the harmonica and started playing it at the end.
2: Well, and that those are the magic. That's where the magic is, you know, when things sporadically happen that way, and especially like in the analog recording times when it was just analog recording. You know, those are things that. You can't repeat it again, you know. You can't duplicate it, you know. You can only capture, like you just said, or a crack in somebody's voice, you know. And that's the poetic beauty in recording art. I mean, in my opinion. I think yours too. Yes. Here, yes. yes. Um, and so, on your new release, you've got three unreleased um, recorded tracks uh, that you recorded with Gene Clark as duets. Um, were those all from the same concert? And how did you choose those songs for "Have um, Harmony, will Travel"? Three. Well, they kind of chose us. Uh, We had the record all
3: done. It was mastered. It was, uh, as you know, that's the the artwork. Everything all has to be turned in a certain number of days in advance if you're going to make a release date. And I had had trouble with two things. My longtime photographer, former drummer Marcus Cuff passed away in December. And uh, I had always relied on him for album covers and everything else too. But uh, but the the um, what I think that uh, was someone ha- in uh, Nashville, we did a, a Nashville Now TV show. Gene Clark and I flew there in nineteen eighty seven to do the t- TV show. And there was an outdoor festival uh, with um, the uh, summer lights Festival in Nashville and that we performed at too. And there was a backup band that backed us up. But the three songs we did first alone, someone on the work that worked the soundboard recorded them unbeknownst to us. We never knew that they recorded them. And, um, so about maybe three weeks before the, the cutoff for me to finish this album, this guy appeared and said, I have this, these recordings, would you like them? And so we, we said, yes, thank you very much. We've got them. And then we, we put them, sent them to our mastering guy, Brian Foraker. And, uh, he tweaked them enough to where they sounded. The fidelity was good because, you know, if you record something off the board, you get nothing but the board, kind of the sound of the board. You don't get anything out. You don't get the ambience of the room um, or, the, yeah. or the the, the place we we're at. So that they all came from the same show. It uh, was from the Summer Lights Festival, 1987 in Nashville. And uh, just Gene Clark and I on acoustic guitars. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Well,
2: everybody's going to be in for a treat when this album is released on October 20th, 2023. You want to mm-hmm. show everybody a picture of the cover? I'm those so of us on the YouTube. <laughs> I'm so, so excited for you. Well, we're we're going to run out to break and we're going to um, uh, talk all about this project when we come back. Um, and so we're going to take you out to break with cool water and bring you back in with I Can See for Miles. Everybody, Oh, know?
3: you're bold. All right. <laughs> yeah.
2: This is Arwen Lewis on The Arwen Lewis Show. Um, I have the amazing Carla Olson here with me today. Uh, we're talking about her incredible career and um, her new release, Hab Harmony Will Travel 3. And you can find out more about Carla at com, at Instagram at Carla Olson Music, Facebook um, under Carla Olson. So please enjoy her music and we'll be right back.
1: All day I faced the barren waste without the taste of water cool water
0: old Dan and I with throats burned dry and souls that cry.
1: Are cool and I am a fool. Each star's a pool of water, cool water, and with the dawn.
4: Hey, this is George Adrian. Please visit me at georgeadrian.com and find updates on my new band, Seven Star, where our EP will be coming out this fall. And you are listening to The Arwin Lewis Show.
2: Hi everybody, this is Arwen Lewis, and uh, you're listening to The Arwen Lewis Show. My very special guest is songwriter, musician, producer, Carla Olson. We're talking about her amazing, extensive career um, in in the music business as a producer, a performer, a collaborator. And she's just released another album of duets called "Have Harmony Will Travel 3. And uh, really quick, the listeners just heard I Can See For Miles. Um, do you want to tell us a quick story about that song, Carla, before we go into Half Harmony, Will Travel 3?
3: Sure. Uh, I bought that single when it came out by The Who. And uh, I was that's my favorite Who song. Uh, and of course, I got to see The Who several times in Texas and uh, became uh, friends with um, one of the, the uh Sisters of of the guy who was Pete Townsend's roommate in college, and he's the guy American guy who was uh, deported for various and sundry substance of substance sales of substances <laughs> and but he had to leave his record collection with Pete which was all Tamla Motown blues stuff and that's how the the who uh their high, the high numbers which is their original name they they had their repertoire they got from this guy and i knew his half sister and who was from san antonio and um anyway i bought that single and uh all these years that's always been my favorite song by the who and the Roger Daltrey and Pete Townsend have a charity called Teen Cancer America. It was Teen Cancer UK, and it's they're raising funds for hospitals to accommodate teenagers, specifically have wards for teenagers that where adults are not and babies are not. It's teens. Okay. And that was a song for the teen cancer uh, 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 what you what we call fundraiser, okay. and it was Saul, my manager, Saul's idea to to set up a trust called a five hundred one c three called uh, uh, Women Sing the Who, oh, and okay. women never got to sing the Who, mm-hmm. so uh, except for a few people, uh, and I just thought, well, okay, I wanted to demonstrate that this could be done with a woman's you know, singing a very macho Who song. And what more macho than I could sing for miles. <laughs> and if anybody could
2: do it, who could do it better exactly. than you? I don't think about anybody.
3: <laughs> exactly. And my very good friend, Gary Myrick from, Austin, from Texas, he's from Dallas. But Gary came out to L.A. before I did. And he had uh, a band uh, and had a, a very, what I would call a hit, a hit with a, a song called She Talks in Stereo. Okay. That was an 80s, an 80s hit for him. And Gary's a fabulous guitar player. So I enlisted him and another a bass player and a, a, a drummer that I had been working with before, uh, Ben Lacourt from France. He's a drummer. It's, it's all about drums for him. I mean. Yeah. And of course, the bass player uh, is uh, Lou Castro. And we just we just rocked it out. I mean, you know, it was just one of those. OK, we know how this goes. So let's just see if we can, you know,
2: really put the punch in there so i'm glad you I, like it <laughs> oh my gosh yeah i mean every song you've given to us today is amazing um and i so let's start talking about have harmony World travel three and talking about rocking out you have um, some incredible collaborations here like you with eric johnston or excuse me eric johnson jake andrews um laurence uber let's talk about that okay. <laughs> like well what made you uh, the, choose these musicians?
3: Uh, the, I just there. These are my, some of my friends. Uh, and I've I've uh, known Lawrence Duber for a long time. Obviously, he was in Wings, Paul McCartney in Wings. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've known each other for about twenty five, thirty years. And uh, Eric Johnson, I've known since high school, as I mm-hmm. said before. Gary, I've known since 1970. And uh, Jake Andrews, I produced his album in two thousand and two his okay. uh, solo album for him uh, on Antone's records. And then I produced another record, which just came out in July called Train Back Home. Okay. He's, he's one of the best guitar players I've ever seen. And I've seen Clapton, Beck, Hendrix. I mean, your dad, obviously, <laughs> uh, Peter Lewis. They're, I love guitar playing and I love guitar players. So, uh, And then the the uh, Street Fighting Man uh is my favorite rolling stone song so I wanted yeah to that one and i love singing that and playing it and my buddy jonathan lay uh who he plays uh actually plays sitar on this it's it's a, a electric sitar mm-hmm. and uh jake andrews plays uh all the lead fills and uh lead lead guitar solo in it and there there's another uh uh an, another song we didn't talk about which is uh the um song uh uh that's um in another land was a Broken Homes was a band that lived, were living in LA and the eighties and they didn't get their due. They were very talented. Two guys passed away in the band and the remaining two guys we recorded with Craig Ross, who plays with Lenny Kravitz was in that band and Jimmy Ashurst who was, who's in um, the um, uh Buck Cherry and other bands, but he played on it. He was in the original band as well. So okay. we just, just decided to record that song uh, in another land because it's just such a beautiful song. But yeah. uh, And then Todd Wolf, I had a, a band a couple of times with Todd Wolf who played with Cheryl Crow mm-hmm. for many years. And uh, he and I recorded, uh, uh, he recorded on this song that Joe Reed from the Textones wrote this song called Lead Me. And I just, he wanted me to sing a vocal on it. And I, after I sang it, I went, I want to record this. (laughs) So anyway, that's on there. And that that's going to probably be um, an Americana single in in, released in in the UK.
2: Nice. Uh, Yeah.
3: Yeah.
2: Uh Um, Well, and then so. I mean, it sounds like you just love doing duets and working with people. Is that what the inspiration to keep I you? do. I, I, I love know. singing
3: with other people. It's no, think about yourself. It's okay. But, but, yeah. uh, and I got, I'm so lucky to have, uh, worked with Alan Clark from the Hollies. Yeah. Who started working again, um, after being out realizing that he couldn't sing in these keys that they were that the songs were written and he just decided between some his wife had an illness he decided to stop performing for a number of years and after uh, just coaxing and coaxing from myself and from uh my manager Saul Davis we co- we talked him into sending some song lyrics to us cool. so he sent some song lyrics and I wrote some music to a couple of songs that he sent me one of which is on here called uh I love that never blooms uh and uh i wrote the music he wrote the lyrics and then uh, uh sean barton Vox sings that it. it was a little too low for me and i sing harmony with her i love that and uh then alan and i wrote i wrote lyrics and sent alan a set of lyrics uh which he uh uh wrote the music to uh uh it makes me cry okay. and it's just a sad it's a sad song because it is a commentary on on the homeless and on the less fortunate, and it's uh, Alan just wrote some beautiful music and plays beautiful harmonica on it. I know it's long, but it's a great harmonica solo. And uh, and then of course I got a chance to sing with my favorite, one of my favorite singers of all time, B.J. Thomas. Nobody sounds like B.J. Thomas. Nobody's ever going to sound like B.J. Thomas ever again. He passed away a couple years ago, and but we had cut this song. We cut a track for a campfire song, uh, Cool Water for water.org was going to come out as a a charity, another charity thing. It didn't actually, it was Matt Damon's charity. It didn't actually happen, but I had this track and BJ says, why don't you sing some harmony on it? So I did. And there you go. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. I mean and that's you, that's that one's the one with Mickey Raphael on it. You mentioned Mickey earlier. He's he's been Billy. He's been Willie uh, Willie Nelson's harmonica player for I don't know thirty years or something like that. So yeah.
2: I mean, you've just. I mean, you. These are your people, you know, and so it's like this. Piece. Yeah, it just sounds like. <laughs> You know what I would say from having this interview with you is, you know, to people who follow their musical dreams, you know, as long as you stay true to the passions that you have, like within your musical realm, like you just end up getting connected to, you know, the people that you're supposed to be surrounded by. And I mean, you've, you've also had tons of luck, but deservingly so, and you've always been in the right place in the right time. And um, I mean, and people are just so lucky to get to work with you, too, you know, because then you're like I, just the little experience I had with you as a producer. And then, you know, the time I've gone to spend with you on stage, like you're like magic and electric. So oh, thank you for so being you. <laughs> you.
3: know, And you are, too. I mean, when, when we would play together, I would look at you and you were the thing about music. You have to enjoy this. And you really mm-hmm. are. We're very lucky to have all been able to get on stage or to work with other people. And when your heart's in it, then other people follow your heart too, which is really great. It's a great, it's that you get something, they get something. It's wonderful. And I I love your EP too. I'm going to, both. Thank you. I love the moon songs. As you know, I'm a moon child. So, you
2: know, I know you, are. (laughs) we have that in common. I know. I know. Um, So great to be with you. You too. And let's say, talk about, you know, touching your heart. We're going to take everybody out to break with set you free this time. (laughs) And then um, we're going to bring them back in with lead me. And do you want to say anything about either of these tracks before we run out to break really quickly?
3: Oh, let's see. We talked about Set You Free this time. I'm going to talk about uh, the uh, uh, Lead Me was done. It's a labor of love done, done during COVID. Mm-hmm. and joe reed from the Textones was locked down in london i was locked down in los angeles and we started working on songs together and um he sent me the tracks to sing to i sang into my iphone that was recorded on an iphone everybody i don't want to give apple too much credit here but yeah that's how we did it and then he mixed it sent it back to me and then i put a when we actually got out of lockdown i put additional vocals and some hand claps we put on it and joe and um uh, Todd Wolf played slide guitar and guitar on it as well. So, yeah. And Joe is, is still in England and we're still trying to get together again. But uh, it's it's been a real, uh, a real tough couple of years and everybody, we had to hang in there. We just, this is what we do and it doesn't matter. I'm not going to go try to not do this. It's just, you know, we do what we can do uh how we do it and and thank you so much for keeping the music alive and and uh it's so great to see you in the flesh oh my gosh <laughs> yeah is and it's that
2: <laughs> honestly like this has been such a great experience like the whole interview experience for me has been really fun and like this in particular is so cool because you've just got all these amazing historical stories um and i get to share your music which is so it's it's an honor so thank you um so yeah, everybody My very special guest is Carla Olson. Um, We're here talking about her upcoming release, Have Harmony Will Travel 3. It's a beautiful record of duets with, um, like, uh, you know, people heard me talk about all the amazing musicians on there, including Carla Olson. And uh, we're going to take you out to break really quick with Set You Free This Time and bring you back in with Lead Me. And we'll be right back. So please enjoy.
1: first thing that I heard you say Standing there sitting in your way Was that you were not blind You should make a fool of me, cause there was nothing there that you could see That could go beyond your mind Now who's standing at the door Remembering the days before And asking, please be kind It is now it was set up to be That I set you free this time Hey, I'm Richard
3: Barone and we're talking about music and revolution on the Arwen Lewis Show.
2: Our featured artist on The Arwen Lewis Show is Robert LaRoche. Get your copy of Robert LaRoche's new album Forevermore, available on OMAD Records now. Previously the frontman for power pop sensations The Size, Robert LaRoche brings us powerful new music as a solo artist. With Forevermore, his second full-length release, he's created a tuneful travelogue through just about every romantic landscape human beings can visit. Love, loss, redemption, and most importantly, hope are the basic essence of these songs, Robert says of the album's theme. Get your copy of Robert LaRoche's new album, Forevermore, available on OMAD Records. Now at omadrecords.com. Hello, everybody. This is Arwen Lewis, and you're listening to The Arwen Lewis Show. And my very special guest, as you've been hearing, is Carla Olson. And she's a singer, songwriter, producer, musician, and uh, you just heard her song, Lead Me. And, I mean, I can't tell you how many songs Carla has recorded and performed, and I don't even know if you know Carla. probably countless, too many to count, I'm sure. But do probably. you do you have a favorite song?
3: One of my favorite songs from my, my youth uh, while well, I was a big Moby Grape fan and not to, to push Moby Grape because you are who you are. However, all the bands that came from the West Coast didn't really they weren't really doing it for me until I heard Moby Grape. Three guitar players. Come on. I mean, between the three guys, obviously your dad was was a a, a a major influence on many, many guitar players. But I recorded 805 because all the bands when I was growing up played that song as their ballad. They had, you know, if you were playing in a band that played other people's songs, that was the one in Austin that was really, really popular. Plus, I just love the playing on it. It's just just, and the lyrics just fantastic. So that's one of my favorite. And Omaha is probably my second.
2: Omaha, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, how about this? Like you've, collaborated with like everybody in the music business but is there somebody you haven't met yet that you would like to perform with or record a song with or write with um unfortunately some of those
3: people have already left the world so i'm i'm probably trying to think of someone um and nobody's coming to mind i've been so lucky i've
2: gotten to play with so many people um give me somebody you know like who you know who would if you had a dream come true you know or like you know, like, who would who would it be? You know, not even that a dream would come true. But, you know, like, I mean, you know, if you I, yeah, I guess I don't okay. know how to a word dream,
3: that. A dream would come true would have to have been the late Peter Green. OK, he was my favorite of the John Mayle Blues Breakers guitar players. Uh, everybody likes Clapton. Clapton's great. McTaylor, of course, you know, I love uh, mm-hmm. Harvey Mandel, Wonderful. Peter Green was one of the most unique guitar players that ever lived. And yes, that would be one of the people I would love to have played with. Or, I mean, you know, that's one of my my wishes. Yeah.
2: Well, and a lot of other ones have come true, obviously. And people can hear that on your new release, Have Harmony Will Travel. And it'll be officially released on BFD Records and the Orca... orchard i don't know why i want to say orchid the orchard on october 20th 2023 and um carla this has been so fun it went by too fast (laughs) well i'll have to come up there and we'll have to continue oh yes you'll have to come up and we'll have a live performance from you
3: absolutely
2: (laughs) um well thank you so much again for coming on the show and we're gonna play so this um is actually released now this is your single face to face from this record is that correct That's correct. Yeah, That's the
3: Eric Johnson track. And George Callens in the Textones plays uh, 12-string, Rickenbacker 12-string, Ben LaCord on drums, and Tony Marcico on bass and and playing guitar.
2: Talk about an all-star band. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, Can we expect to see any performances uh, in support of this album, or are you just kind of doing the recording for now?
3: Actually, I will plug the gig December the 9th. I'm doing a dual release with another artist that I produced, Robert Rex Waller Jr. I produced his new album, which is coming out the same day that my Have Harmony Will Travel 3 comes out. And we're doing a dual performance at McCabe's on December the 9th. You should come and sit in.
1: Oh, my God, I would (laughs) love to.
2: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um and then where can people get tickets for that now yes
3: you can you can buy them on uh, on the the uh, mccabe's website you can buy that uh or i think they're have a, they, they have their own ticket master so sort of ticket thing yeah okay cool yeah. we're going to do songs from both of these albums
2: oh gosh that well that's going to be the show to be at, and people better get their tickets fast because it's going to sell out Um, and so everybody one more time if you are curious about where you can find out more about Carla Olson uh, look her up on Facebook under her name Carla Olson at CarlaOlson.com Instagram at Carla Olson Music and uh, please enjoy her new single Face to Face from her album Have Harmony Will Travel 3 Carla thank you again so much it's been such an honor to get to talk to you about your amazing life as a musician today
3: thanks Arwen take care you
2: too
0: The Arwen Lewis Show was brought to you by Evolve Entertainment. Host and executive producer, Arwen Lewis. Executive producer, Jeremiah D. Higgins. Producer and sound engineer, Richard Dr. D. Dugan. You can find Arwen Lewis and all of her music at arwenlewismusic.com. And follow her on Instagram at arwenlewis. Lewis.